everyone it's me johnny j thank you all for tuning in for indigenous flame we're going to be getting started here in just a few minutes as soon as uh, we get miranda do on the phone um thank you all for tuning in i'm very excited for this conversation because miranda is an amazing person and i'm super excited to learn more about the work that she is doing if you aren't familiar um she is an associate producer with treyarch and her team is one of the kind of helped um, ship the new Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. And so I'm super excited to learn more about what went into that. Oh, wait, there she is. Hi, Miranda. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Cool. This is exciting. This is my first Twitter spaces. This is my third, and I'm still new, still figuring it out and getting familiar with it. (laughs) Love it. I do. I actually really love it. Um, you know, so far we've done, I, we did the first episode of Indigenous Flame on Monday. Mm-hmm. And then Wednesday, we did a session where we were talking about scary stories. Oh, nice. That's and that's, cool. that's another space that we're going to be doing next Wednesday. So I'm super excited cool. about that. That's um, great. But yeah, but I'm super excited to have you. So if you could you. just let everybody know a little more about yourself. Sure. Um, yeah, so my name is Miranda Dew. I am Pawnee, Cherokee, and Oto. I am um, only enrolled Pawnee, but, you know, that's a whole discussion. Uh, <laughs> I am a video game uh, producer. I work for Treyarch, uh, which is part of Activision. I work on our core engineering team. So my team um, works on our engine and um, authors and supports the tools and um, a lot of more technical things for uh, for the game. And, you know, last year we shipped Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which was my first AAA title. Um, but before I got into games, I worked a bit in interactive museum exhibits as well as AR VR. And I've also worked a bit in mobile games. Um, so I have a wide variety of experience and different forms of entertainment and technology. Yeah, I'm super excited because I remember when I met you, it was at a Need to Be event, yeah. and you were working on a game about viruses. I was, yeah. So that was called um, Virus Hunters, and it was a little startup that my friend Ari and I um, worked on. And, um, you know, it it had its moment. Um, I stepped away from the project last year just because of, um, like, I early 2020, I was just overwhelmed with work. I was trying to find a new job and um, it, I just ended up stepping away, but like I really supported Ari and the work she was doing for, um, you know, making mobile games educational and trying to work on ways that people can learn about viruses and health and stuff like that. And then of course <laughs> the pandemic hit and it came way more topical <laughs> of, a, of a project Um you know, it's, it, it definitely brought forth like conversations of, Oh, do we still want to like do anything with this? Like, is it, you know, out of, is it off color to, you know, promote a game about viruses when there's a pandemic? <laughs> it was really wild. And I know at, for a while, like the app store wouldn't let you put on new um, apps or games if they had like anything referring to the virus or Corona or anything at all. So I, I do know that that kind of got, you know, squashed there a bit, but 
um, it was a cool endeavor to like, you know, try to make a game with a little small team on the side and uh, learned a lot from that experience. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I was really interested in just the gaming industry in general, because the thing that has always blown my mind is that there's so many natives who work in the gaming industry and who have worked on mainstream games. You know, we had, um, like there's a native who was one of the, you know, the co-producers of doom. <laughs> yeah. Know, like yeah, that's, yeah. That's John Romero. He's Cherokee and he was one of the um, engineers and designers on doom. And I've, I've had the opportunity to chat with him too, and, which is really cool because, you know, I work, I work on the engineering team uh, at call of duty and we still, you know, that, our foundation of our games was from the work that he did. So it was really cool for me to, you know, really get to know him better and like, be like, Oh, you know, like the work that he did however long ago uh, (laughs) is still, you know, it's still running through the, the life of the games that I'm working on. So I think that's really neat. (laughs) It is. I like, I got to introduce them for the natives and tech conference. And I was trying so hard not to fangirl. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I grew up on that game. Like yeah. that's one of the first video games I ever played. And, you know, I didn't know that he was native or the, you know, anything about him until I think it was working with native max. And that was probably about okay. like six years ago. Yeah. And my mind was blown because, you know, I realized, you know, he's not the only native in this industry who's worked yeah. on this big, <laughs> you know, these games that we grew up on and not only that, but just like, it's amazing that a lot of these people are women. Yep. It's true. There are are a lot of like awesome game devs um, in the industry and working in, you know, also indie games and academia. Um, So it's been really cool for me to do that this summer. I um, created a panel for games for change, um, which is a conference and it was really cool because I was able to um, get a a panel of all women and be a panel of all indigenous women um, to talk about, you know, educational games, um, which was really cool just to hear from different indigenous people and different communities and the work that they're all doing. So um, that was like a really cool panel I got to do. And I was like, oh, you know, the, it's really cool with technology now that we can connect and we have our indigenous game devs group. And so I've you know, met a lot of people through there. Um, John Romero, his wife was actually one of the first people that kind of introduced me to different natives. Um, she was working on a, a, a game, I think with him on like the trail of tears. And I, I thought it was really, um, really cool. Um, so they've, you know, they've definitely helped my career and, there's a lot of wonderful natives in the industry that I, I look up to. Yeah. And I know you've been talking lately because there's been so much turmoil within the gaming industry, <laughs> um, but yes. what are some of the obstacles that you found that you kind of faced with dealing with not only having to balance usually being like the only native in the room, but also being a woman while yeah. all of this is going on? <laughs> I think, you know, just being the only woman in the room is something that I've had to do a lot. I remember, um, like, even when I first started my program at, at USC, where I went, got my undergrad, um, 
I remember there were only three women in my program for my year uh, when I started. And I was just like, oh my God, that's crazy. Um, one of those women, I think she left the game industry she, or she just kind of found passion elsewhere. And so she never really worked in games. Um, but the other girl in that program uh, was still my good friend. And I went to her wedding and like, we still, you know, chat and support each other, but it's definitely like a, you just always know that like <laughs> you're the only one around and um, it just, it can be a weird environment to be in. I remember just like, when I started at my current job, like I've been in places where there, there's been more women. And um, my last job when I worked in ARVR, I, I um, for a while led a, um, a like user experience um, design team and it was all women. And it was really cool to just like, you know, have that, just have a, a room full of women working on some really awesome stuff. And then like contrast that to my current job where I'm the only woman on the like core engineer, engineering team. Um, and so it's definitely, it's definitely challenging because there's oftentimes where like, you know, I will have to speak up, um, and like share my perspective as a woman when, and that's just because I'm the only one there. Um, and so then like at a big company, like Activision where I'm at, um, there's not many natives. I think we have like a, we have a few, um, at some of the other studios. So we've been trying to start like an indigenous employee network and that has a lot of challenges so I feel like being a a minority woman in the games industry is a space where I'm always just like fighting for you know representation I'm always fighting to be like acknowledged and just I don't know it just feels like you know you're in a place where you're not it's not designed for you to exist so you just have to be like the best you so you can prove that you're worth having in that space and I think that can just be really exhausting after a while. I think it is because I find so many times like because, you know, our population as natives is so small that when we get into these industries, we kind of have to take on that extra labor uh-huh. of diversity and inclusion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been like dealing with that because I you know, I put so much of my extra time like at work, like and I thankfully I'm at a place where my manager's supportive and they're like, yeah, do that work. It's great. We need that. But it's also like, I want to be doing my normal job and being really great at that and not have to like spend some of my time also doing like DNI work and not get paid for it. So I think for me right now, I'm on that journey of figuring out what balance I want in my career. And I'm also considering like, maybe I should just work in DNI because it's something I care about and it's something that I think I can be very effective in. Um, but it's just hard to like balance that with my normal day job. So it's, it is hard. And I think that's the hardest part about being a minority in tech or any big company is that you're always, you know, there's a lot of like pressure to like perform those type of duties alongside other things. And sometimes I just wish, I just wish I could just, you know, be a white dude that doesn't have to worry about any DEI stuff. They just go to work, they do their job joke around with their friends <laughs> don't have to think about other things like, that'd be so nice <laughs> no you know I think about that too because so much of like what I've done in tech with native representation it's kind of worming myself into those spaces that aren't meant for me yeah exactly and I've always felt very fortunate that my name is Johnny Morris because <laughs> it's very manly and generic 
So, you know, like I get, there's no qualms about inviting me into these spaces, but once I get there, it's always a surprise, like, oh crap, she's got boobs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the whole dynamic changes and it does, like once you're in there, it feels like you're constantly having to fight to kind of create a balance, but also just to be seen as a person and not just the woman, you know, and yeah. And, and I hate to say that, but there's so much sexism still within tech and, you know, even within the gaming industry. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, I want to do great. I, I'm happy to do, you know, DNI work because I care about the future. I care about, you know, seeing other ind- indigenous people working at this company. And, you know, there's, I, there's reasons why I do the work I do, but I don't want to be a token. I don't want to be like the company's, you know, beacon of diversity like I'm doing it for you know hope for indigenous future and not just to make the company look good so that's that's what I have to balance a lot is like is this you know just benefiting the company am I breaking my back just so they like have something to look good or or is this like really you know moving the the tick forward to supporting future you know indigenous developers yeah, and I, you know, what I love about having Indigenous people in gaming is that our perspectives are so different. Yeah. Um, you know, like we've seen with Never Alone, when that video came out, it was so amazing to play a game that you had to learn Indigenous knowledge. But yeah. not only learn it, but it was shared with you in a way that you kind of took to a place where it was like, oh, it wasn't something that you were doing just for the game. Like it was something that left with you when you stopped playing. Like you wanted to learn more about this culture or learn more about these specific, you know, the ideas that you are being taught in this game, these certain values. And, you know, like now they have all these expansion packs. We're never alone. And we have, you know, like our own gaming production companies now. Yeah. And, I, I've been so excited about that because the games that we see coming out, you know, that are helping to preserve, preserve our languages, you know, teaching kids about, you know, our culture. There was a game I found um, and I can't remember the name of it now, but it was a kind of simulated hand game. Oh, yeah. That was at the fam museum. Yeah. yeah. What, it was fun because, you know, I'm here in California and they don't really do hand games. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's kind of a way to kind of keep connected, you know, yeah. to, to feel like I'm not missing out as much. Yeah, that's really cool. I remember I went to the uh, the FAM Museum, the First Americans Museum, is a, for people that are listening, is a museum in Oklahoma. Um, it recently opened, and it's focused on the 39 tribes in Oklahoma. And um, they have this cool exhibit that's uh, it's like a little game where you play a virtual hand game, um, and it uses, like, sensors and cameras to let you play which is really cool and I I guess you know for people that don't know a hand game is like it's a guessing game that you play with you know two different teams and uh, I don't really know how to describe it (laughs) (laughs) but it's like you hide you hide something in like one hand and they have to guess which hand it's in and then you get points and it's usually uh, for our tribe it's accompanied with like ceremony and dance so it's it's pretty cool and it gets heated. <laughs> it does get heated. I, I I didn't like grow up going to hand games or anything. I had always heard about them, but I was like never in town when that was happening. But the summer I went and played in our our uh, our band hand game, and my team won. So 
you know, oh, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's funny it, because our elders take it really serious. They really do. It, well, it's, I it's remember, yeah, I remember my great hand game, my great grandma. It was so funny because the person guessed which hand. <laughs> and my grandma, my great grandma, was so mad and it was so <laughs> funny because I can still hurt the minute that he chose the right hand my great-grandma was like he nah. <laughs> yeah yeah well something that I found interesting I was talking to one of my cousins about this and she said for our tribe because a lot of you know in olden times uh, <laughs> a lot of our ceremonies weren't allowed to be performed so they would hide them into our hand games so like you'd do like around a hand game and there'd be dancing and songs in it. So that's how they kind of hid some of the songs and um, more traditional ceremony stuff for, for us. So I thought that was really cool how like game, you know, just games are still a very important part of our culture, an important part of our ceremonies. You know, these games are how we survived. And I think that's really beautiful that it's a way that we can still keep, you know, thriving and so seeing it, you know, in digital format is really cool because then other people can learn about it and we can, you know, connect from afar. <laughs> yeah. And for you listeners who may not be familiar for the one of the reasons that, you know, we had to hide ceremony within gaming um, was a large part because ceremony for us was illegal up until 1976, I believe. And so you know, like our communities really do did have to kind of get sneaky about the way that we <laughs> were able to carry on our ceremonies and yeah. traditions because it was literally against the law for us to practice. And there was a time when it was illegal for us to even leave the reservations or to leave the communities that, you know, they had put us in. And so, you know, like it's kind of interesting when you look back at that history and you see the ways that our ancestors found to make sure that those traditions and those games weren't lost. And um, even now, like there's a lot, I I feel like there's a lot of healing in the way that um, creating these games, like being able to reconnect with those games and why they exist and the history behind Mm -hmm. them. And not only that, but just be able to share it with new generations. I think there's a lot of um, healing in that. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, games are such a cool medium to, um, you know, at, at the core, I, I think games are all about storytelling. And um, I think Indigenous communities are so rich with that storytelling aspect because that's how we shared our culture. That's how we pass things down. And so I think um, there's, you know, games are ripe for some really awesome like indigenous storytelling and I'm really excited to see what the future holds and work on some games on my own too um but it's definitely an exciting time for it to be like native and entertainment it really is I mean okay I don't know about you but I'm gonna it's really hard to say this and I know you're not gonna want to answer this but if you had to choose and one show had to disappear, would it be Rutherford Falls or would it be Reservation Dogs? Um, I think it'd have to be Rutherford Falls. <laughs> don't hate me, people. But I don't know. I think Re- Reservation Dogs is just, it's like, it's like home. <laughs> true, true. Like I, it's, it's kind of funny because I really love that we're having all like this, almost like an indigenous renaissance here. Yeah. You know, like 
like we finally kind of busted through some of these barriers. So we're getting an opportunity to tell our stories, like not just in gaming, but like in film, in literature. And, you know, it's been super exciting because, you know, like we're so connected because our population is so small and it's such a neat thing. Like when you see somebody that, you know, at the beginning of their career when they were just getting started or they were just doing a comic book and now all of a sudden, you, you know, they're, on Rutherford Falls, they're an actor yeah. or they got the lead or they're in the writer's room or they're directing. It's such a, it's such a good feeling to see that happen because, you know, you, we know the sacrifices that they've made mm-hmm. and we know what they've come through to get to that point. And it's such an exciting moment. Like when you see them get that win. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like I, I think, you know, reservation dogs is really precious because um, like, I've known Sterling, you know, virtually mostly for a decade. Um, I remember when I was first, you know, about to go to film school, um, yeah, I connected with him and I was like, Hey, like, you know, I'm really, I love your work. I want to, I want to know, like, do you have any advice for, you know, aspiring filmmaker? Um, I don't remember exactly what he said, but like, just, you know, knowing, seeing those people that have been there for me growing up in my, you know, journey as a storyteller and seeing them really hit, success has been so exciting and motivating and just you know it's like these are the stories of you know our community and seeing those on the big screen like for me like going into work and like you know when we're just having conversation during a play test or whatever we talk about you know reservation dogs and I you know talk about how it was like my hometown and um like just being able to have that like shared cultural moment with people that are not indigenous was really cool to me and I was like oh you know I would love to see more Native American stories in games, like really big triple A games, so we can have those conversations with people and, um, you know, everyone can just learn more about, you know, their neighbors next door and the land that they live on. So um, I'm really excited to see where, where, you know, the games industry goes. I'm trying my best. (laughs) Like, I feel like most of my work that I do for in games and diversity consulting ends up with things getting cut. I'm always saying like, that's appropriative, cut it or like, that's like stupid. (laughs) You don't need a headdress there. Like just don't do it. So I feel like I've spent a lot of stuff. I've just been like telling people no, and I'm ready for people to ask me and be like, what do you want to do? Yes, let's do it. So I think, you know, we're starting to come into a a great renaissance where people are thirsty for, you know, indigenous storytelling and we're able to really share our stories, not just being a consultant, but we're actually, you know, the direct voice. So that's where I hope to be in the next 10 years is, you know, telling stories, not just fact checking for people. I think the fact checking is the worst because I always feel bad that we have to be the no person because, you know, when it takes a lot to create, you know, and to put yourself out there, like if you create a story, it takes a lot to share that. And Mm -hmm. I know people want to get it right. But it, I always feel so bad because, you know, when people share things, they're thinking, but I did the research, you know, I talked yeah. to so-and-so, I had input going on and you're still like, yeah, but this is still not okay. And yeah. I always feel like bad being that no person, but also, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of necessary because, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, at the yeah. same time, you know, like, like you're rooting for people, you're rooting for creators and you love that they're able to do this. But at the same time, it's also kind of like, 
why are you not asking yourself why you should be the one to tell this story and not given that opportunity to a native to do it? (laughs) Yeah. Like I know that we're really inspiring and great people, Uh, but like, let us tell our stories. It's, I've, I've encountered that a lot where people are like, I really want like an indigenous character. Can you like see if the script makes sense and stuff? And then I'm just like this, you know, you're writing a character and you're, you, you're just kind of pulling stuff from all over that you've heard or you've learned on the internet. Um, It doesn't come across as authentic. And I think to have a good story, to have a good, you know, TV show or movie, you need authentic, you know, voices. So it's really time for us to just tell our own stories um, and I have been in some places where like, I've, you know, I've been a producer, I've been a consulting producer and, um, that kind of stuff. And I've, I've felt supported and able to really have my, you know, vision and my view on things. And those have been great collaborations. Um, but I do think it's something really special when you have your director, your producers, everyone on your crew is native, like that's really cool. And it was really cool for that to like come out of Oklahoma and, you know, like, those are people I know. Uh, I moved back to Oklahoma recently, and it's, it's like, you know, a couple weekends ago, I was helping a friend out on a short film, and it was just the Reservation Dogs crew <laughs> was there. So it's it cool that it's like, you know, that's our community. Like, the Native filmmaking ha- filmmakers, we have a community, and, you know, people help each other out and know each other. And I think that's something that's really cool that you don't, you haven't really seen much in Hollywood. Yeah, I, well, I think one of the funniest things was um, I was talking with somebody about reservation dogs. And they're like, why do natives like this so much? And they were like, and why is it Oklahoma natives? And I was like, well, you know, it's filmed there. I said, so yeah. for the the fun part of it for us is wanting to see who we know in the yeah. back even. <laughs> Like, who are we going to catch glimpses of? And I was laughing and I said, and also, you know, it's like, it's kind of like a game because it's like, who snagged who? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that and I saw somebody share a status. I believe it was on Facebook and was like, yeah, my grandma, we were watching Reservation Dogs and my grandma was like, that guy looks like somebody I used to snag. And, Probably was. and turns out it was <laughs> yes I think and I remember um so Killers of the Flower Moon filmed in Oklahoma recently too and that's a upcoming movie um based on you know the Osage Nation's history um and that's a Scorsese film and um they have a ton of like our our area natives as extras and so I was at um where was I at oh I was at a funeral <laughs> and I was just sitting outside and I heard some like old guys talking about the movie and I was like oh yeah Leo has really bad teeth and I'm just like oh my god like they sound ridiculous like talking about Leonardo DiCaprio and how they smoked with him and all this stuff and it's just it's I'm looking forward to that movie that you know see all the people I know and stuff even though I I don't appreciate that one as much as reservation dogs um because it's you know not natives told Mm -hmm. um so I think that'll be definitely interesting we'll definitely have to come back and talk about it whenever it comes out for real um I'm really excited about it because you know for people who don't know me and Miranda are from tribes that are very close together so you know like I'm Oto but, you know, I also have relatives who are Pawnee. We have our, 
you know, our Osage side, our Sac and Fox side. So like, I've been super ex- excited because so many people I know were cast as extras. Yeah. And I'm super excited because this is a huge movie. Like these are, you know, legendary yeah. directors and um, of course it's Leo, but, <laughs> but I'm really yeah. excited about the people that they got cast as sisters. In yeah. the because you know they've been working in Hollywood for so long, and this is uh-huh. kind of the break they needed. And yeah, definitely, I think that's one of the things that I'm just so excited about. You know, Rutherford Falls, about Reservation Dogs, because everybody has been working their butt off for years in this industry, and they've always kind of been, you know, the token or not having their voice heard or just being kind of given not a lot of shine. And with these yeah. projects, they've been given that opportunity and they are killing it. Um, you know, one of my favorite person is Bobby Dews. And, <laughs> you know, being able to see him as a writer and, you know, being able to be on Rutherford Falls and making these little cameos and reservation dogs. Yeah. Like it's it's always hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not only that, but like, you know, we've we for na- for natives like we've watched the 1941s and yes. you know, we know them as these goofy dudes while everybody else is getting to know them in these certain roles within reservation dogs and rutherford falls meanwhile we're like how you know them how we know them when they were auditioning for you know when they did that parody of twilight, of twilight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah or like their little my favorite is the um is there when they did the music video for that one song the oh yeah Indian, uh, i'm an indian too because I, yes. I, I, <laughs> that was actually filmed with people at santa fe indian market yeah and so i recognize like a lot of people there and just like you know i think maybe it was ryan redcorn was the main person mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> but it's just like you know it's cool to see like these are people that we know these are our friends our you know relatives so it's really cool to see them get their shot. And, you know, I think that's one of the things, like, you know, we see the people who are up front, but, you know, like there's always people in the back, you know, our directors, our writers, like our game developers. Like, I love that you guys are getting the opportunity to shine in all this too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely like really opened up the, um, just, you know, people's, knowledge and just their perception and I think people are like oh like I never knew that you know these people existed and that they're funny and they're not just you know historical characters so I think there's a lot of um great stuff that can come out of um of you know one one group success really brings us all up and just makes it more exciting and uh makes the public more ready to hear our our voices um so i think it's it's a really cool time and i'm really excited now one of the questions i wanted to ask you was you know kind of given that we're stepping more into that spotlight are there any i guess you would say like how do you find balance in being able to kind of do what you love But also, you know, there's when it comes to like native representation, because we've been so marginalized, 
no one's really like we're never prepared to step into that spotlight or the responsibilities that come with it. And, you know, like, how do you kind of find balance in, you know, in people knowing who you are Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, when you were able to kind of slip through the cracks, (laughs) you know what I mean? Just kind of like work on the down low, but now people know that you're in this industry and that you're doing this work and they're watching you. And it kind of takes you from being just a person who's, you know, in the gaming industry to role Uh model for other native youth or, yeah, I mean, I think, I feel like I still can get away with being in the shadows a lot, <laughs> but uh, I do think, you know, I'm I'm very proud of my background, my heritage, and it's not something I'll ever shy away from, and so that definitely, people see that. Um, I remember when Cold War shipped, uh, I just got random messages from people that are like, oh my gosh, like, they would, they would you know, see my post or whatever. And like, I didn't know like a Native American worked on this game. That's so cool. I want to work in games someday. And so it's, I definitely know that people do watch me. And so I try to just, you know, be authentic and, um, I'm just, you know, honest about what the industry's like and what, you know, my career is like. And, um, I have a lot of hopes for the future and, um, I'm not trying to, you know, do anything crazy right now, but um, I think it's important to just kind of know that we like native storytellers and people in entertainment, like we are probably living someone's wildest dream where, you know, we're doing the thing that some kids somewhere is really excited about and they have never seen someone like them do before. So I think, you know, we're kind of in those, those areas where we're the first or the first visible people and I think that's really cool. And we, sh- we need to just, you know, embrace that and, um, you know, do what we can to make these environments like healthy and ha- happy places for, you know, younger indigenous people to come up and work in. Um, but it, it, it can be hard. Like I haven't really received backlash or anything. Um, I, I do think like, you know, Call of Duty is a, a very popular game and, I'll see things and people will sometimes tweet at me like, Oh, your game sucks. or you should do this. And I just ignore it. <laughs> like most of the bad stuff I'll just ignore. Like if someone's being rude or like, I'll speak out on like, I spoke out on like a mask, a mascot, a high school mascot. And I like the kids just were so mean to me. And I, you know, I just block them and just move on with my life. Cause it's, you know, it's not my responsibility to always be like, you know super neutral or make sure like all the kids are happy um but you do have to like maintain that balance for your own sanity just you know protect yourself but also um where you feel comfortable be that role model if you want to not everyone wants to like there's a lot of people that are just kind of staying out of it and I think that's totally valid too yeah I think and I think that's the hardest thing right because Mm-hmm. Once natives get visible, then people put their expectations on them. Yeah, exactly. It, like I, that's the hardest thing because I want to see it. You know, like like for me, like I do a lot of advocacy work, and you know, uh-huh. you know what I signed up for, and but yeah. you know, part of the reason that I did that was so that someday, like my nieces and nephews, can mm-hmm. you know be a journalist or you know, be a doctor or do whatever it is that they want to do, be a gamer even, 
and yeah. exist in that space and just be able to be a gamer, like, and not yeah. have to be a role model or not have to speak out on, you know, like anytime an issue comes up into the conversation, like they don't feel pressured to always have to be speaking on that issue or having to do advocacy yeah. work. Like they can just exist to be a gamer, you know, <laughs> because, because I think we need that. Like, cause you know, I, I find now that we have visibility that we're starting to gain that visibility that we have natives who are going viral. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that pressure, we see so many people miss making mistakes, you know, saying things yeah. that they shouldn't say or, yeah, you know, things that they normally wouldn't say in public, you know, but I yeah. think it's because, you know, nobody's ever really, ex- like, we've never been prepared. Like, we always talk about Native yeah. representation and being visible, mm-hmm. but we're not prepared for it when it happens. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so true. Like, I, I've gone through, like, press training and stuff <laughs> because I work on, a like, a really big game. So there, I do, you know... I've had to deal with stuff like that, but I think it, it is something that, you know, it's like, I just want to make this thing. I want to do a good job and I just want to live my life. But, um, you know, we live in a, a an age and era where um, everyone's a celebrity <laughs> on, on the socials and stuff. So, um, but I, you know, I think it's, I, I have a lot of relatives and family members that also are pretty well known in the native community. So um, I've been thankful to like you know learn from their <laughs> their mistakes or just you know get advice from people I know um, just like oh, how do you deal with all this and whatnot and um, you know use those connections appropriately but it is it is hard and maybe we need some native media training for up and coming storytellers <laughs> oh for real because I mean you know when I think the first time that I did an interview um, like I was writing for Native Max. And I was the one always interviewing, but the moment that it shifted, like I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for the backlash for things that you shouldn't get backlash for, like the mascot issue, you know, the backlash that we get for talking about mascots always, like, I still can't get used to how violent it is, you know, (laughs) it seems like, you know, it's, it's just funny because, you know, we're talking about the harm that mascots cause, you know, whether it's changing the way that people view us, um, the way that it's disrespecting like our culture or our imagery and our identities, especially, but we're never really talking about it, like condemning people. Right. Like we're just saying like, Hey, like this, this, this has run its course. Like it's time to shift. We start treating each other as human beings, being respectful of each other. And people come yeah. back at it as well. It's just a cartoon. It's just a mascot. We know it's not real. And my favorite is when they're like, I'm native and it doesn't. It doesn't. Native. Yeah, exactly. And in the same breath that they're telling us that it's not a big deal or that we have bigger issues to worry about, then they're like, well, you know, I hope you die. Or I, like I've gotten rape threats. <laughs> yeah. And death yep. threats. And, um, you know, you remember when, um, the Oklahoma governor's daughter wore the war bonnet. Yes. I remember I, Mary Fallon. Yes. I spoke out about that and I got doxxed. And so like my address, my phone number, everything was put out there. 
And, you know, like, and it wasn't until just a couple of years ago that I changed my phone number finally that it kind of stopped. But yeah. it was like, really? <laughs> like, if it's just a war bonnet and we should get over it, then why are you acting so violent? I know. Why are they so, like, butthurt about it? It's so fragile. Yeah. And <laughs> but, um, that's, how, that's how it was. Like, I went to a cheerleading competition to see my niece cheer. Um, <laughs> and the, there's this one school in Oklahoma, which is you know, a problem uh, <laughs> that we were trying to fix. And they, you know, they, they've sent us a football player in like a full headdress. Like it was a fake headdress. It's pretty bad. Um, and like he had face paint on. And I was just, I went up to him. I was like, you know, you shouldn't be wearing this. It's disrespectful. Like, you know, you should leave. Uh, knowing full well that this child is not going to listen to me. Um, and then he's like, he let me take a picture. And so I posted about it. And the, the kids found me and like tore me apart. And, you know, I was just like. It's more, I, you know, I wanted to make a, a point to pe- people in Oklahoma that this is still happening here. These are still problems that we encounter. These are, you know, I, I know uh, the Illuminative organization, like they do a lot of great work. They've really helped us make strides in changing some of the racist mascots. And so, you know, um, it's important that we still check on our local schools and make sure that they're, we're, you know, trying to hold them accountable too. But um, it was just crazy how like, how much backlash I got from people about it. And it's, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Like if it just is, you know, it's common respect. And I think if, if someone said like, Hey, that's offensive, it's offensive because of X, Y, Z. Um, you know, I don't know why people would get so upset about that. But for me, it was like a lot of learning and how can I have these conversations with people? You know, I can't just tell people like do this because this, I, you know, started, you know, telling stories being like, Hey, like this is, you know, showing the picture of like one of my great grandfathers and talked about how he got his lib on it and, you know, how it's very important in our communities and all this stuff. And once you start kind of really getting into that, you know, story of it, you're really able to help people get that empathy. And then they start to understand they're like, Oh, like I can see now how this offensive to you. I'm sorry. You know, I didn't know. And so I think, you know, with our storytelling and our TV shows, our, um, movies that come out, like really what we're, you know, the arts are very important in changing policy. They're very important in changing, you know, how, how culture is and how our culture responds to us as indigenous people. Um, because we're, you know, we're, we're building empathy for people that don't come from these worlds. They don't come from our traditions and our culture. Um, so for us to, you know, continue to get more respect in those, in these places, we, you know, need to build that empathy. And I think that a lot of the stuff that's going on in Hollywood right now is really, really helpful for that. And I think it really helps put pressure on things like changing, you know, the Washington um, Redskins mascot. So, you know, I think it goes hand in hand, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Like, you know, it's always amazed me that the backlash, but the other thing is like when people actually do change their mind, it's, it's like Mm -hmm. exactly what you were saying. Like they were like, Oh, you know, I get it. And Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if it's just because I'm older and I'm more desensitized to things a little bit now, <laughs> um, because I have a lot more patience now um, and I'm kind of understanding that like, yeah. we don't necessarily get it right away. Um, 
you know, like when we're talking about why this is wrong or how it's harmful, you know, it takes some people a little bit of time to really digest that information because they don't live with the impact of it. And so it's really hard for them to understand where we're coming from because they don't have a lot of interaction with our communities. They don't know who we are as a people. So, you know, it's exactly like you said, like when we have native representation, like with reservation dogs and Rutherford Falls, where they're showing us as modern, contemporary, everyday people, you know, your neighbor, your doctor or your boss, even, you know, it really helps people realize like, oh, you know, natives are still here and they're human beings, too, because so much of how we're portrayed is still either in the past or as, the, or as these very tragic, serious figures. And I really love that we're starting to get to see more of our humorous side. And yes, that lighter <laughs> side, because natives are funny. You know, like in all of the mm-hmm. advocacy work that I've done, people always tell us natives need to lighten up. You guys need to get a sense of humor. <laughs> and I'm like, do you not know natives? Like, we can't take anything seriously. If you go to a funeral, then... I know. Like, yes. <laughs> like when I come back from a funeral, and I'm, like, cracking jokes that people, I'm like, oh, yeah, I went to, like, the third funeral this month. <laughs> just, like, people are just so uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh, like, you don't understand this, you know, the humor we have about <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, and, and I think it's because, you know, there's been so much tragedy in our Native communities that we've yeah. learned to cope with humor. Um, I remember the first time I took my ex to one of our tribal funerals, he was so uncomfortable because we were laughing, you know, with the body just feet away from us. <laughs> and, you know, like yeah. we were up all night talking, <laughs> making jokes and, you know, everybody was just yeah. enjoying being together. And I was telling him, you know, like, well, this is how we mourn, you know, because if we just took everything super serious all the time, like we would never stop crying because of, because yeah. that hurt is so deep. Um, you know, even me, like <laughs> I, I kind of caught kids off guard. I had an interview that just got released tonight and uh, I was <laughs> laughing because I forgot. I told them the story that happened when my mom died and I forgot that, you know, not everybody is like us natives. We don't, f- they don't find the humor in everything right away. <laughs> My mom passed away the day before when we knew she wasn't going to survive. You know, we were devastated, like heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And me and my sister had to go find her something to wear for the funeral. And it was the only thing we could Mm -hmm. think of to do that would keep our minds off everything. And we were going through the mall and we were crying. And of course, we have our masks on. And our masks were just so wet and soggy with snot and (laughs) tears. And, you know, so the next day when we were going to let her go, you know, I got the bright idea like, okay, I, we can't take our mask off up there. So I need to, I don't want my mask to be soggy. So I went to the bathroom and I rolled up some toilet paper and plugged my nose holes. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so sure like this was going to be the answer to my problem. It was our turn to go up to say goodbye. And it was going to be me, my brother, and my sister. Um, And we get up there and, you know, we were playing her songs. We prayed with her. And um, we were just devastated. We were crying. And um, it wasn't working. 
my nose was not plugged. The toilet paper had already got so soggy that it started coming through my mask. And I was like, okay, I got to get rid of these before the doctor comes in. And so I grabbed some toilet paper and I was trying to get them out. And because I was crying and, you know, trying to sniff back the <laughs> snot, they got stuck in my nose. Oh my God. <laughs> and my brother was sitting there looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm, and he knew what I did because I told him on the way up. And I told him, I was like, they're stuck. And he just looked at me and he oh. shook his head and he's like, only you, Jay, only you. And so I'm sitting there trying to get them out. And I finally got one out. But when I got that one out, I sniffed the other one deeper. And they're like oh no like and I could feel it and I was like this is gonna go in my brain I just know it and I was like trying to get it out and just as the doctor walked in it finally went out but it flew out of my nose and hit my mom oh my god (laughs) and my you know like my sister my brother looked at me the doctor was looking at me and I just like grabbed it real quick and put it away and you know we we went through we let my mom go and (laughs) You know, we were crying afterwards, and then on the way out, like as soon as we were leaving the room, my sister was like, "God, Jay," <laughs> she was like, "You just had to blow a bigger on mom, didn't you?" And we started laughing, and she's like, no. "She goes in all honesty, she's like, that's the way mom would have would have wanted to go." She's like, "Because I was always doing something goofy, I'm that person in my family." Yes. And she's like, you know, she goes, it just seemed like right that that happened. (laughs) Like, I forgot that, you know, other people don't really, you know, can't do that. (laughs) They can't switch and find humor and things right away. But and I was laughing because I was like, these poor girls after the interview, I was like, I just told these two girls a story. They were probably looking at me like, but her mom just died. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, But, you know, it's, I I mean, I love being Native for that because, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. We're finding ways to get through. And, you know, like with gaming, I find playing video games, you know, it's on my phone. You know, that's been my therapy in this pandemic is playing games. (laughs) Like anytime I'm getting games. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, it's just, it's wonderful to see how Natives are making use of games and, you know, just all the work that's going on in our communities, like as hopeless as this world seems right now, like all the work that is going on, the people standing up to, you know, against injustice, you know, people making, breaking these barriers in the media. It's, it's a good time to be native. (laughs) Yes, it definitely is. And yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's really cool to see, you know, the, like, I love seeing like Willie Jack and reservation dogs. Cause I feel like her sense of humor is very similar. To, like a lot of people I know, it's just really refreshing to kind of see that and, um, you know, be able to know that the future will be <laughs> a much more entertaining and beautiful space. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm really excited for everything like season two coming up for Rutherford Falls and reservation dogs. Yes. You know, I saw that they had picked up a pilot for another Native show that's going to be more dramatic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm living for that right now because yeah. we deserve this. Like, we've we've we been in the shadows for far too long. Like, it's our time for that little spotlight. And, 
you know, I'm, I'm so happy yeah. for everybody who's finally getting their work recognized. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's such a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, it is. It makes it you is. feel like, like everything is you... possible. Yeah. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of things that I just feel like I didn't have the confidence to do when I was younger. Um, like even, you know, I had, I struggled with my identity a lot, um, growing up cause I'm adopted and didn't find my, you know, bio family didn't get really connected to my tribe until I was in college. And so I feel like I had a lot of, you know, struggles there and wasn't really ready to tell any of my stories, but, you know, seeing more and more people share their lives and their stories on television and movies, like it kind of gives me like, you know, more confidence and hope for myself to be able to share stories and to get back to, you know, writing and uh, doing that kind of work. So I think it's, I, just knowing that it, all this stuff has had such impact on me personally and for me wanting to like tell my story, um, I think that's makes me excited that, you know, hopefully someday I can inspire other people too. Uh, and of course, like I love making games and I, you know, hope to be, you know, in that room when they're ready to do a big triple A, like Native American focused story. I'm trying my best to like, you know, push Call of Duty in that direction. It's really hard. Um, but, you know, there, I know, like, for at least for, you know, the military, like, that's a very important big part of Native American community as, you know, veterans and that kind of stuff. So I think there's a lot of cool ideas that could be, could come to life in those type of games and, of course, other games. Um, we have such amazing rich histories and there's so many of them like there's so many tribes and they all have different stories and different you know journeys and so I think we have a lot of great content you know now that they're listening we'll never run out of content so I think it'll be fun yeah if you could create a game like if you had all the backing you needed what kind of game would you want to create and what story would you want to tell yeah so I actually have a game I'm like kind of in the, you know, paper design phase. And it's, um, I really want to make a game on that, like, addresses language loss in the boarding schools. Um, so, like, the game I want to make is, would probably be, like, around Carlisle or something. I, I have relatives, I have ancestors that were at Carlisle. Um, and I want it to be, you know, like, kind of a game that leans into rhythm and sound as a mechanic and how that can like alter and change. And, um, you know, the story would be like losing your language. Um, you have, like, you'd have to lose your language to complete the game and you'd have to lose that, like that sense of like steadiness and that's that, um, you know, that beautiful sound would have to get altered and you have to find a way to survive. So, um, that's something I like, want to make one of these days so yeah real 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 heavy (laughs) (laughs) I think yeah you know like I think I'm excited about that too because I think for so long too like in the media that we're expected to create like we want it to be positive so you know like when we're looking at you know like I talk a lot about indigenous geek culture and a lot of like the comic books that we have show like native superheroes and we're the good guys. But I'm really glad that we're kind of starting to edge into those areas where we're not necessarily bad, but we're not necessarily good either. 
you know, like, yeah. like yeah. we kind of have the anti-heroes coming out a little bit. Um, there's a comic book by Jay Ojek called The Outsider. And I read the first issue and it was so amazing because it was, it's, it was almost like Sin City. Um, you yeah. know, it was super violent. It was something that was different, you know, and the main character, he wasn't a good guy, but he wasn't necessarily the bad guy either. He was just somebody who was trying to survive. And mm-hmm. I really love that. And I start, and I'm starting to see that in some of the movies that are starting to come out, you know, like where we're able to show more depth and be more well-rounded characters. Like we don't necessarily have to be super good and we're not those, you know, the, the yeah. negative stereotypes that we're in tune with nature or, you know, like we're the, <laughs> yes, <laughs> or we're painting with all the colors yeah. of the wind. <laughs> exactly. Like I want to write, you know, a story where girls black thumb. But yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's really cool to, you know, see, a future where we can be telling, you know, the nuanced stories that other people have had the privilege to tell. And, you know, they still apply to us and they apply differently. And, you know, we have a lot of good people and we have a lot of, you know, not good people. And that's an important part of culture that we need to share too. Yeah, because we're um, messy people. Like we're human beings. Like so true. we're fallible. We're messy. Yeah. Like we don't always do the right thing. We make mistakes and... You know, like, I think that's one of the things that I really love, too, because, like, we're starting to get depth. And for so long, it's always been, like, we've always been these romanticized versions of natives. Yes. Yeah. The noble savage. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, we're getting ready to wrap things up. So um, if any of you listeners have any questions you want to ask Miranda, just hit the request to speak. And I will get you online. And it looks like we have one here. So let's try this out. Hey, how are you doing? Hello. Can I be heard? Yeah, you sure can. Okay. Uh, I, I came into the conversation late. And I, I heard you talking about native uh, narratives and I I have a friend that I guess he has wrote a comic book series uh, from a native uh, perspective and he needs some help uh, kind of finalizing things. Uh, He wanted help from a black perspective, uh, but, like, I can't give that to him. Like, it's it's Mm -hmm. all in the details. But, I love you. I I love you ladies. So. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I mean. That's all I I got. Like, in situations. Yeah, I think that's, you know, you bring up a good point about being able to really like dig into the nuance of things and make sure am I muted? No, you're good. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think like I I've been in that position where I've been asked to do reads and you know sensitivity checks, and I think um, if that person's looking for an indigenous background or you know a black background, they need to do their due diligence and like 
seek out people that are, you know, experienced in that and, um, and, you know, if possible, pay them and stuff and stuff because, um, you know, it's a, it's an important job. It's not something to just be like, kind of, you know, Oh, one single, like made a person like over. It needs to be done with care. It needs to be, um, ideally, you know, ideally your friend is indigenous and telling that story from their own story. But, um, you know, if not, like definitely go and seek out the right people to talk to and consult with and make sure you heed their advice and guidance. Um, that's what I would tell anyone that is attempting to have like a native character or anything. Like if you're going to do it, make sure you, um, do your due diligence or we'll tear you apart. <laughs> well, but, um, so that's just my advice. That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to tell him. Like he, he, yeah. I, I guess his uh, series is done. I like I don't I don't know because uh, he didn't send me the entire series, but I read uh, yeah. a very long uh, couple of Google Docs about you know what it is, what he's trying to express, um, and everything, and I'm just. Like he's on my mind because I told him I'd try to help him. Uh, yeah, I think you know it, he has to be willing to take the feedback and willing to rewrite and stuff. So if he's not willing to do that, then I don't think it's worth you know anyone pursuing more time on. Well, this. I I think he is. I think he is. Okay. Uh, what yeah. is well. It, if there's anybody willing to, uh, you know, take a look, uh, tell them, uh, DM me. I'll I'll give you his. <laughs> it like it. Okay. But uh, you ladies. Yeah. <laughs> I I see you ladies all the time on Twitter, and I <laughs> I love you guys. Oh, thank you. Um, if yeah, if you do a Twitter post too and just ask for help, um, I can share that because we do have a lot of people who do sensitivity reading. So you know, I'll share that for you, and hopefully somebody will reach out. Okay, okay. Like it, it, it's just something that happened. Uh, he asked me yesterday, and yeah, well, yeah, I think he should write a post and get some feedback and we'll, we'll help mm-hmm. out where we can, but, um, you know, it's a lot of labor for people to do that type of work. So it needs to be real special or okay. be able to compensate people. I'm, but yeah, definitely share a tweet and we'll probably do our best. I'm willing to pay for that labor. Like, cool. awesome. Well, send us that post. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't get anything from it, but I get the joy and happiness. Um, Anyways, I'll shut up and uh, I I hope everybody has a great night. All right. Thank you for chiming in. All right. And we have somebody else here that I'm getting ready to add. Okay. Hi. I think I got you on now. Hello. How are you? Doing great, ladies. Um. So I've been dating a uh, a man who is Mohegan Pequot, and um, I was just I wanted to gain some more insight on how I could honor him and his culture. 
Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think something that you can do is definitely, you know, start to just research to know more about that region and just, you know, get some baseline knowledge and then just start, hopefully he's, you know, willing to answer questions and just, you know, have that open conversation and dialogue with your partner, um, you know, just come at it with a very, like, from a very like loving and kind place that you, you are interested in learning. And um, one thing I would say is that, you know, not everyone's willing to just open up and share things. A lot of our communities have some, a lot of trauma and a lot of complicated history. So uh, it may be hard for people to really open up, but I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to learn um, from, you know, other people and just kind of digging into, you know, some of the things, that, that, you know, Indian communities face, um, like familiarizing yourself with, you know, current, current issues. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of pipeline issues and land issues. And so just kind of getting, you know, baseline understanding of that. So you are able to, you know, meet your partner, um, part way on those conversations can be really helpful, but, um, yeah, it's kind of my initial advice. <laughs> Yeah, and, Thank it, you. and it does take a lot of time, too. So I think a lot of it is just being patient um, mm-hmm. and letting get people get familiar with you. Because once they get familiar with you, then they're more apt to just treat you like they would any other family member, which, yeah. you know, just another warning, too. <laughs> um, natives like to terrorize people. Uh, especially people, significant <laughs> others. <laughs> and so I, like, I always have to warn my friends and, you know, like I've had to warn past partners too, like, you know, look, you're going to be meeting my family and <laughs> they're not like normal families. <laughs> I said, if they start terrorizing you, that means they like you. If they're silent and they're treating you like, if they're behaving themselves, we got a problem here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, just, yeah. just kind of being patient because natives communicate in different ways. And, you know, it's almost like they got to see if you can handle them <laughs> yeah. before they start talking. So, you know, like if they start teasing you or anything like that, then you're kind of in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's... um. He's a veteran. Uh, he was in the Navy, and uh, and I was in the Air Force. So we we connect on that level, and um, we've we've talked about the tribes, and we talked about his upbringings, and it's such a beautiful thing. And I, um, yeah, I really want to marry this guy. You know. Well, I wish you the best of luck, and hopefully, you know he's. He'll uh, bring you around and, and get more involved with his uh, his family and tribe, and I think that'll be really awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Hey, if there's anyone else out there who would like to ask Miranda a question about her work or you want to just comment on the conversation, just hit the request to speak, and we will get you in on this. And also, you know, we'd like to thank you for joining us. Um, Yes, thank you so much. I've been so excited to talk to Miranda. <laughs> you guys know I don't get to talk to people too much. So 
having this space to talk with our native creatives and, you know, catch up after the last couple of years, it's amazing because yes. the work that is happening is incredible. So it's kind of fun to get more insight on what actually goes into that work and the final project that we're supposed to see. Yeah, it's it's a cool industry, but if anyone else has questions, I'm here. Okay, it doesn't look like we have any, so I guess we could go ahead and wrap it up. Um, You know, again, thank you all for being here, and thank you, Miranda, for taking time to do this. Yes, this was fun. We'll do it again. Absolutely, and could you let everyone know where they can find you online and learn more about your work? Sure. Um, you can definitely follow me on Twitter where I probably complain too much and post about silly things. <laughs> My Twitter handle is at Miranda do. Um, you can probably see that on here. Um, and then if you want to learn about my work, my website is Miranda You can see a lot of the projects I've worked on and my personal like photography and stuff. So that's the best place to like learn about me. So yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'll see you guys again on Monday. I'll let you guys know who our guests will be then. Um, but every Monday and Friday, we're going to have a new Indigenous playing space, a new conversation. And also every Wednesday, if you want to join in, we are talking scary stories. So join our spaces here. But th- again, thank you all for taking the time to be here um thank you for asking questions and you know just thank you all you guys are awesome bye everyone (laughs) bye guys